Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Um, up to this point in my life, I had thought if you would have asked me what the busiest month of the year is, I would have said December, as people are doing lots of things. I no longer believe that's true, uh, at least here in uh, the SAV down here on the coast in Georgia. It seems to be October, uh, as everybody is doing everything uh, in October. So thank you for those of you who, in the middle of your busy October, uh, came uh, and joined us here uh, this morning. Uh, now, to get rolling into our new series, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this idea that uh, our life uh, is the sum total of decisions that we've made. Uh, you take all the decisions uh, all over life, stack them up, look back on them. That's what constitutes everything. So family, marriage, uh, kids, jobs, moving, um, you know, f- friends, whatever it is, there's something in all of us uh, that when we uh, aren't doing well, and things aren't going right, uh, there's something in us that wants to look and blame something else. Um, you know, for, for a lot of people, uh, the pretty uh, convenient one is parents, being able to look back at my parents, uh, the things they did, didn't set me up for success, maybe, uh, some of my problems, whatever. Um, but uh, the truth is, is that whatever excuse we may come up with uh, as to how our life ended up where it is, uh, when it comes down to it, 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 we're the ones making the decisions, Right? We're, we're the ones uh, who have to deal with the hand that we were dealt, uh, and make no doubt, some of us were dealt worse hands than others, but we're the ones that got to deal with it. And when you look back on all the decisions you've made through life, uh, there's probably a few that you regret. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, yeah, okay. So yeah, a few uh, decisions that you regret, right? Uh, for some people, that's just a certain decisions, a couple certain things. For some people, you look back on whole chapters of your life, and yeah, I just regret all of that. Can we just, if I could, I would just remove uh, that whole part. Now, some of you may be living the dream life. It may be right where you've wanted to be and where you were planning to be, and everything's going smooth, um, but that's not most of us, if it's actually uh, any of us. Um, There have been some good and some bad in most of our lives, uh, and uh, a lot of things that we've fallen short on, and we haven't really lived up to what we hoped would come of our life. And oftentimes, it's because of specific decisions that you've made. And it's nice when you can look back on those decisions and like pinpoint them and be like, okay, I see where I went wrong. Those are a little easier to correct than kind of looking back and like, it's all messed up somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where my decisions went awry. Uh, Those ones are a little harder to to start to undo. Um, Now, some of you may have found a home with us here at Tapestry uh, because you don't want to continue making bad decisions, right? You want life to be better. And hopefully a lot of the things that we talk about, if you put them into practice, make life uh, a little better. And uh, you're hoping that God can help you do that. And the good news is, is that yes, he can. And not only can he, he wants to. Now, last week we finished up a series uh, that was about addressing the different messes in your life. And we ended up last week talking about don't make decisions on top of a mess that everything makes messier, right? And so it's like, okay, that made sense. But I got the question from a couple different people like, yeah, okay, so you've talked about what not to do. Uh, How do I know what to do? When I'm looking at that and the decisions that are presenting themselves and the options may lead to things being worse, like how do I know the right thing to do? And kind of the subtext of some of that question, especially if you're committed to, you know, I want to be a follower of Jesus and do the things God wants me to do. uh, That question really is, how do I know what God wants me to do? 
in any area of life? How do I know what God wants me to do? And if God is trying to tell me something for me to do, how do I know I'm hearing God, right? How do I know that that's what it is, right? How do I know? Because it can get confusing. You may have some ideas in your head, right? And you might be like, well, what if I'm just making those things up? What if that's all me and that's not God at all? Well, what if it was just something that I ate too late before bed last night and it just gave me these weird ideas overnight, right? Well, what if I just really want something so badly that I've convinced myself that that's the thing that I need to do and I've confused it for God leading me in that direction, right? And then, and then when you start having those questions, you, you try and read the Bible to get clarity because, you know, if you grew up in church, you were told the Bible has all the answers. And then you're just like, okay, well, I'm going to try and read the Bible. Well, let me start reading. Well, whoa, Judas just hung himself. Is that for me? <laughs> is that, how do I know when I'm reading this stuff? What is it, right? Then it can get really confusing because Christians will give conflicting advice, right? You have one person, you're like, okay, you know, they're, they're solid in their faith. Maybe I'll ask them. And then somebody else solid in their faith gives an exact opposite answer, right? You know, that's like, uh, you know, you might be sitting here listening to me say some stuff and then some other pastor says some stuff and me and the other pastor are saying the exact opposite things. How do you decipher what you're supposed to do? Which one of the pastors is speaking for God? It's me, people. No, I'm just kidding. It can be confusing and hard to untangle, right? And so you're just like, oh, what is going on? Maybe, maybe um, uh, as you're looking at that and you're asking, you know, how do we know we hear from God? Perhaps if you're newer uh, in your journey and following Jesus, like that whole idea sounds weird just on the face of it. Hearing from God, like what, what is that supposed to be about? Or, or um, maybe you haven't been to church in a while. It's not really been a thing as in, in life over the last periods of your life. And it's weird. It's like that because us Christians can get weird with stuff. Like, uh, okay, hearing from God. What is that like? Uh, disclaimer, I have never heard an audible voice from God. To be honest, I never want to. That sounds like it would be terrifying uh, and I would be scared out of my wits. But, but that's not what it is. We're talking about God, who as Jesus, when he was on earth, describes God, says, I want you to relate to him as a father. I want you to relate to him as a good parent. I want you to relate to him. There, there's several uh, female versions of that within the Old Testament. Relate to him as a mother. Whatever that, that relationship is, that causes comfort, that gives guidance that you can come to and feel safe within that, that is how I want you to view me, right? And so he knows where we are and he knows that we are where we are because of decisions that we've made in our life, good or bad. Now, God is up to something outside of your life in the bigger world, in the bigger uh, scheme of history. God is up to something and he wants you to be a part of it, right? He wants you to be a part of it. Consequently, when you decide to what you do with your life, that is important to God because you play into the larger picture. You may not realize it now. You may not see how you play into the larger picture. You may get to the end and never realize how you played into the larger picture. But if you do the things God wants you to do, you will play into it, right? 
Now, I want to read uh, the tail end of a verse uh, to get this all rolling. And the tail end of this verse is a promise that God makes. Here it is, Proverbs chapter three. The promise is, he will make your paths straight. He will make your path straight. That means he's gonna make it obvious. The direction that you should go, he's gonna make obvious. He's gonna make it clear where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to become. And when it comes down to it, really isn't that it on the fundamental level of what most of us want from God? Like, okay, God, I'm in. Just kind of make it clear, what am I supposed to do? Right, just, just put it out there, right? And this is a promise that God has made to anyone who wants to get in on what God has for their life. It is out there. Now, if you want to get all churchy about it, which we try to not do too often, um, but the churchy phrase for figuring all this out and what it is that God wants you to do, the churchy phrase is the will of God. Right, the will of God for your life. How do I find the will of God for my life? These are things, uh, phrases that are thrown around, the will of God. But basically, uh, it's that idea of what God wants for you to do. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, when it comes to this whole idea of the will of God, how God wants you personally in your little life to start behaving. Um, the Bible refers to this idea of the will of God in three different ways. Uh, it kind of breaks it down. And we've talked about this years ago, um, but this is gonna be the context for this series. Uh, The three ways that the Bible talks about the will of God is this, the providential will of God, the moral will of God, and the personal will of God. Right? If you've looked up the will of God in a, in a biblical concordance and, and it talks about it and points you into the right directions, every time it's mentioned, it would fall under one of these three categories. Now, the providential will of God. Uh, we'll go over that one for just a minute. Those are the things that God is going to do in the world no matter what. That, that, that's stuff that you don't need to pray for God to do. It's gonna happen. So for example, in Galatians, Uh, It talks about uh, when God was ready, he sent Jesus into the world. That was providential. Gonna happen no matter what. Didn't need our our, uh, input or interaction on that. Uh, It says in Revelations, if you dive into that crazy book, it says one day we all will be judged for our sins. Providential, that's gonna happen. Nothing we can do about it. It's the providential will that Jesus is gonna return, that he's gonna raise up Israel through which, uh, that he raised up Israel through which to send the Messiah. All providential didn't need our interactions, right? He's going to do them and they aren't dependent on our prayers or our obedience. They're gonna happen. Now, important point, even though God doesn't need us for any of the providential will, He doesn't need our obedience. He uses us to accomplish it, right? He uses us to do that. For example, Jesus was gonna come no matter what. He used Mary to accomplish that. He said, look, I'm sending my son into the world. No one can stop me, but Mary, you're gonna be the one that makes that happen, right? He told Abraham, get up, move. Abraham, I'm raising the nation of Israel and I'm gonna do it no matter what but I'm gonna use you to make that happen. So the important thing about the providential will of God as we get rolling in this conversation is that he uses people to accomplish it, but it's gonna happen no matter what. It's gonna happen, right? 
Um, yeah, and so what he plans to accomplish, the easier it is for us to figure out what we want to do in our lives is to become more familiar with those providential things. What are the things in scripture that God says, look, these are the things I'm going to do no matter what. So that's what that is. Now, the moral will of God. That's another category, right? Those are the things that God has given to all of us and they are explicitly laid out through the thou shalt and thou shalt nots, right? Those things that, that there's no question about it, that you don't need to pray and ask God about those things. You don't need to have a conversation with God that goes something like, God, I'm in this situation. Should I lie to get out of it? God, I'm seeking your face. Tell me, tell me, God, should I lie? You never need to pray that prayer. The answer is no, you shouldn't. I've said that. That's part of the moral will of God. I've laid that out there. Don't need to pray for it, right? No, you don't need to treat people unfairly. You don't need to do these things. Uh, First Thessalonians says this is the will of God that you be sanctified. That is that you abstain from immorality or that you abstain from moral impurity, right? Part of God's will for your life that you don't need to seek his face. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to do any of that. Is that is staying morally pure. So you don't have to ask questions like, should I step out on my spouse? Doesn't need to be a prayer. Nope. That's been established. Don't need to do that. Don't need to pray about that, right? In 1 Peter, there's this kind of like uh, writing that he gives where he talks about you've got to respect authority. You've got to respect governmental authority. And that, you know, so that means, listen, when it comes to the basic things in life, you don't have to pray. God, do I need to pay attention to speed limits? God, do I need to actually pay my taxes? God, do I need to, don't even pray about those things. It's already been stated. It's already been clearly put out there right? And we find the moral will of God written all throughout the scriptures. That's one of the benefits of spending time reading the scriptures is because you don't have to wonder what God wants you to do in situations. It's been laid out for you, right? And as believers, this is important. The more familiar we are with the moral will of God, the easier it is for us to decipher the last part, which is the part that we really want to know about, the part that we're really interested in, which is the personal will of God. Now, that's the part we all really want to know about when we're asking, how do I know the will of God, right? And while preparing, I thought of several instances in which people have grown spiritually as they became more familiar with what God was up to in the world and what he asked all of us to do. And it is so much easier to decipher the personal will, that is what God wants me individually to do, when you are more familiar with A, the providential will, what God's up to in the world, B, the moral will that you don't even have to ask those questions. The more familiar you are with those, the, more, the easier it is for you to recognize what God wants you to do. Now, let me say this, you know, uh, the real, what the real difficulty is in figuring out what God wants you to do, right? What God's will is. It's not that God isn't willing to speak and tell you or to let you know. For most of us, the difficulty in figuring out what God wants us individually to do in situations is our unwillingness to follow through with what he wants us to do. That's the biggest obstacle, right? Right? 
It's most of our unwillingness because if he cares enough to send his son as a sacrifice for our sins, right? Then surely he cares enough to communicate with us and let us know what he wants us to do in life. Now there's a tendency on our part when we're approaching this whole personal will of God, God, what do you want me to do thing? There's a tendency for us to say, okay, God, I want you to tell me what to do so that I can then consider that. So that I can make that one of the options that I'm considering in doing. I've got all these other options. And so God, I'm interested in what your option is as well, right? But listen, God doesn't give us consideration or doesn't give us our options, what he thinks we should do. Doesn't give us direction just for us to consider it. That's not how he does it. When God directs and communicates, it is assuming participation on our part once that happens. That's the assumption. It's assuming obedience. God will wait until we are at a point in our lives where we say, God, I don't care what the answer is, what, what you're asking, what you want me to do. The answer is yes, I'm going to do that. So now tell me. That's when, that's when God starts revealing, making that path known that we should start doing. Yep, 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 yep. Now what do you want me to do? Because when you get to that point, that is really when you are in the best position to hear clearly or to see clearly what God wants you to do. But he doesn't communicate direction just for our consideration. He does it for participation. And he has an uncanny way of knowing if we're ready to participate or not. And it's weird. Now, I want to read the first part of the verse that we started with, that the end of it was the promise. Here's the beginning part of that verse. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And there it is. See, we say, I don't want to trust him with all. I want to trust with part. Just part of my heart. So then I can keep options open. If I, don't, if, I don't, if I don't like what he wants me to do, I want to keep some options open. And God says, no, 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 no. When you get to the point where you're fully trusting with all of your heart and it keeps going, lean not on your own understanding. That is your, your logic, your ability to figure things out, your ability to put the pieces together. When you're to the point where you're not leaning on your own wisdom and in all of your ways, Acknowledge him. There's the word again, all. That's a big part of unlocking that promise at the end of the verse, all. It's crucial to the discussion. You can't just acknowledge God in the arena of your life that you're wanting to hear from him about and then not acknowledge him in the other parts. It doesn't work that way. He needs acknowledgement in all areas, right? The English translation uh, that, that they've translated to that word acknowledge. The English, the way we use that word acknowledge, it's kind of weak. It's weak. Acknowledge for us is kind of show that you've noticed or recognized. You know, if you're talking to somebody and they're kind of not responding, you're like, well, you acknowledge that you heard me? Yeah, 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 I heard you, okay. Like that's acknowledge, that's kind of weak, right? Um, I acknowledge that, I acknowledge I made a wrong assumption. Yeah, I acknowledge that. But the Hebrew word that they actually used is a far stronger word. The literal translation for the Hebrew word is be riveted, be focused, be right in line with. 
It's not saying just, yes, you heard it. It's like, no, be captivated by it. Be concentrating on it. As you're seeking an answer for a decision in one area, every other area where it is clear, he wants you to be doing what you know you should be doing. So that is your approach to God should be, when you're looking for in a specific situation, what do I do? Your approach should be, as I am doing everything else I know I'm supposed to be doing, based on what I know of your providential will, what I know of your moral will, as I'm doing all of those things I know I'm supposed to be doing, what should I then be doing in this exact moment? He wants you to know what to do and do it, right? Based on what I know so far, I'm doing what I know to do. Now, God, help me out in this moment, right? And if you do that, it finishes up with that promise and he will make your paths straight. Now, here's the point. God is not going to simply give us direction for consideration. He wants to guide you, but he says, I'm not going to do it until you are riveted by me. You are concentrated fully on me and will commit to doing what I tell you you should do before I even say it right? And when you get to that point, God says, then I will make it evident to you. I will make it clear to you the path that you should take. There, there was a guy, his name was Thomas Merton, and uh, he was a Trappist monk. He wrote over 70 books in his lifetime. He, he said this, his observation was, we receive enlightenment only in proportion as we give ourselves more and more completely to God by humble submission and love. The enlightenment follows the surrender. We do not see, then act. We act and then see. That is why the person that waits to see clearly before they believe never starts the journey. Never starts the journey. So if you're at a place you know, where you're saying, okay, God, I am not sure I want to do your will, but I want to know what it is. God's like, sorry, that's not how this works. That's not how it is. But if you trust in me with all of your heart and in every other area of your life, acknowledge me, then, then I'll make it clear. I'll make it clear, right? It is to surrender to the known will of God that paves a way for discovery of the unknown will of God. It is to surrender and, and to have obedience to what we do know, that providential and moral will. It is surrender to that that sets us up to be able to decipher the part that we don't know, the personal will, the, the way God would like us to make day-to-day -day decisions. And one of the frustrating things, and we're, we're going to get into this a little bit next week. One of the frustrating things as you're trying to untangle um, all of this is that we want to know God's will, but every time we discover a little bit of it, right, we aren't sure we can do it. We're just, we're just not sure. You know, sometimes it asks things, God wants us to do things that are uncomfortable. Sometimes God wants us to let go of things we might not be ready to let go of. And so when we hear little bits and pieces of, hey, this is the next step, because as you're walking along a path, if you got a light on the path, you can see a little bit, you still can't see all of it. 
And so as we see a little bit and a little bit, we're like, ah, I'm not quite sure that's the direction I want to end up. But God's saying, no, 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 no. You got to keep coming. You got to keep stepping in it. And the thought of having to be ready to already say yes before you know what you're saying yes to can be unsettling and terrifying to commit to something before you know what you're committing to. But as we act in the way that God wants us to act uh, in every other aspect of our life, it'll become much easier to identify the personal will of God. Now, next week, we're going to talk a little bit um, about a shortcut And I don't like talking about shortcuts very often, but if you're in one of those situations where you're like, okay, okay, Andy, I get it, I get it, I get that providential more, I gotta be following that in every area, but I'm in a pinch. (laughs) I need to know now, what does God want me to do? Like, I I, I need the answer, right? Um, But here's God's general way. God's general way is he wants to bring us to a place where we are so neutral, that we say yes before we even hear the answer. Now, one of the things I've discovered as a pastor and dealing with lots of situations over the decades is that um, I've discovered that broken people have a far easier time discerning God's will. Right? People who are at the end of their rope, people who don't really have any options left, People who are at the position where they say, God, I dare not make another decision without you because the decisions I have made have led to disaster, right? My decisions haven't worked out so well. So God, your will be done because mine's led to disaster. People who are in that position tend to be able to hear from God easier and know the path they should take, right? I've seen people who are brand new in their, their, uh, their journey of following Jesus. who didn't have much background in church things at all, right? Being led by God and being able to see that happen in a way that was so clear, it was almost spooky, right? Because they were in a place where they were saying, listen, I'm not asking just for information so that I can add it to all of my other information, no, by answer, Jesus is already yes, so just let me know what I'm doing. And do you know why God kind of plays this little cat and mouse game when it comes to revealing his personal will to us? The reason that he does that is because he is more interested in you discovering him than he is in you getting an answer. Right? The, the actual answer and what you actually do, for the most part, is relatively inconsequential to God in the big picture. He's more interested in you discovering him, in relationship happening. Uh, he isn't as interested in the answer to your question as he is in you discovering him through the process of attaining the answer, Right? Because God has our undivided attention when we were in those moments where we have crucial decisions to make. When we need answers immediately to situations and prayers that we are praying, right? When those things, when when our desperation is at an all-time high, at no other time does God have our attention so clearly. And he knows this. 
And he will leverage those situations to bring us closer into relationship with him. There's an author named Philip Philip Yancey. He's written many, many books. And he says this. He says, I do not get to know God and then do his will. I get to know him more deeply by doing his will. And what he's saying is this, is that it is the process of seeking God. It's the process of seeking what God wants us to do in which he opens himself up to us in ways um, that we couldn't anticipate, right? And at the end of the process, we haven't simply made a decision of what's the next thing that we're supposed to do. It's deeper than that. We more fully know our creator, which is so much more valuable than just getting an answer on what's the next thing that I should do, right? There's the providential will of God. He's gonna do those things regardless. It doesn't matter. There's the moral will of God, which most of us know about, you know, that we have a hard time keeping up with those rules. Those are a little difficult, right? But somewhere in between those two guidelines, providential and moral, in between those two things, right? God has a plan and a direction individually, individually for us. And the more familiar you become with what he's up to, that providential and moral, the more obedient you become, the more you acknowledge him in every area of your life that you possibly can, in your morality, in your ethics, in the way you handle relationships and work, it becomes easier and easier and easier to determine what God's personal will is in your life. Now, here's the good news. The good news is God created communication. And so he's going to be the best communicator, right? And when he is ready for you to know, and when you are ready to know, you will know the next step that you should take. You will see the path lit up that you should follow. There is nowhere in the scripture, nowhere, that you can look up where somebody said, okay, God, show me, you know, what's next. And then he showed him and he's like, what? Didn't quite get that. Not quite sure. Not very clear. It's not that they didn't understand. Uh, It's not that they didn't want to do it. It was that, you know, when God made things known, they were known. They were known. And so the key from hearing from God, and, and this is different, you know, This might be one of those situations where you hear different things from different pastors. The key to hearing from God isn't spending prolonged time on your knees praying everything you can think to pray. That's not it. It's not prolonged time just being maybe in total quiet time and being, okay, I'm gonna be quiet. God, the next thing that pops into my mind is you telling me what to do and then you get real quiet. I've tried that. And apparently by that process, God wants me to get tacos. (laughs) That's not it. God is a much better communicator than that. God is a much better communicator than, hey God, I've got this problem. I'm gonna open the Bible and point and you have me look at the answer. That's not it. He's better than that, right? And the best preparation that you can do to put yourself in a position to be able 
to hear from God is to keep your life in line with what you already know God wants you to be doing. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path known. Listen, he wants you to know his will for your life more than you wanna know it, if you can believe that. In most cases, he's waiting on us to get to the point that we're able to hear it and see it. He's waiting on us, not us waiting on him. The point where we want to be unknown from God more than all of the other options that we have. So next week, we're gonna talk about in this whole idea of figuring out how do I really know what God wants me to do? We're gonna talk about, well, well, what if I'm in a situation where I need to know now? And it's an emergency. I've got a decision to make. I mean, providential and moral, that's all great. And I'm gonna get on board with that and I'm gonna do that, but I'm on a deadline. So make sure you join us next week as we talk about how to figure out what God wants you to do when you're in a pinch. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you that in the way that you lay things out for us, that it doesn't have to be some big mystery. That God, you make yourself so known to us already through your providential and moral will that it is easier if we're familiar with those things to discover what you have personally for us. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this week, for those of us who may be facing uh, crossroads or decisions that we've got to make and we're really wondering what, what would God want us to do? Lord, help us to examine our lives and ask us the questions. Am I fully surrendered in every other area to the ways of God? Am I doing the things that I know God wants me to do in all of the other areas? Because it's then that we're able to decipher and see the personal will you have for us in the decisions that we have to make. Begin to point out this week the areas that we know, but we aren't living up to. And then begin to give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to make those corrections and to be fully, fully acknowledging you in every area of our life. Lord, I thank you that you want us to know what you have from us for us and don't hide it from us. Let us do what we need to do to be in a position to find it out. Lord, I thank you for all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being out today and I look forward to next week as we continue talking about how to figure out what God's will is for our life. It's a